Dr. Jonathan Trevor, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. And first of all, I must congratulate you on the publication of your book, Campaign Be Strategic, a critical exploration of the practices of leading companies. Let's begin by asking why you decided to write this book now. I saw that within practice there was a a great deal of uh, challenge encountered when attempting to implement um, corporately designed and determined pay systems um, for the benefit of of the organisation in terms of generating desirable employee behaviours, attracting talent, retaining talent. I saw that despite uh, uh, corporations adhering to best practice, at the point of implementation there's a great deal of challenge, like I said, uh, in actually effectively implementing these systems, and I just really wanted to understand why. And I know that, that in modern Britain there's been a lot of contention around executive pay, bankers' bonuses, that type of thing. Do you think that we live in a managerial age for pay? And, and perhaps that's why there are such disparities and such contention. Well, it's interesting. A lot of, uh, a lot of the, the discourse around pay and indeed media coverage, the profile pay, focuses very much on bankers, bonuses, executive pay. But actually, I, I think the, uh, possibly the bigger issue, but the silent issue, is actually um, how we manage pay for the broad base of employees, for the majority of our employees um, within organisations. And your point about it being a managerial agenda, I think, is exactly right. We do indeed, and have done for some time now, and certainly the last two decades, um, certainly manage pay um, as part of a managerialist agenda for all employees. Um, and we have done so on the basis that actually management and managers have the right to manage pay and use it for strategic ends. And um, I don't doubt the veracity of that. What I question is, are we actually able to manage it in a way that would be considered strategic or in a way that's able to produce these stri- uh, strategically desirable outcomes in the form of employee behaviours that are complementary to strategy, but also motivation, commitment and loyalty. So really, a lot of the focus is on executive pay and bankers' bonuses, but we're actually missing the bigger picture. How are we managing pay for the majority of our employees? Uh, not just is it fair, but actually, is it just plain effective? And I know that in your new book, Campaign Be Strategic, you talk about global and local practice approaches to the management of pay and the performance implications. Is that changing in this globally, technologically driven e-environment of of global teams and workforces? Well, it's an absolutely excellent question. And um, again, coming back to this issue of managerially determined pay, uh, particularly pay determined by management in the absence of, for example, uh, regulation, uh, uh, other forms of constraints such as trade union representation, or indeed any sense of collective determination, but rather managerially determined pay on an individual basis or rather uh, via an individual contract of employment, which is, of course, the standard norm for all of us and certainly everybody that will be listening to this podcast, no doubt. Um, The issue is about the manageability of these systems. Um, So forget the theory, do they work? in practice, and often it's not, and for precisely the reasons that you suggest, um, that there is a big issue in terms of how we craft policy, how we craft strategy, and how we implement um, all of these different strategies and policies within our organisations. And in uh, an increasingly global world, uh, particularly uh, in relation to multinational companies, the companies that are the subject of the research, um, what one witnesses as a response to globalisation is an increasing centralisation of decision-making. Quite literally, what that means is that uh, somebody in Chicago uh, will be making decisions about the pay arrangements of somebody in Cheltenham, for example. 
And that poses all sorts of issues, not least of which, are those pay systems fit for purpose? And Bonnie, the answer is no, they're not. So can you reveal any trade secrets to us here in the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series? Can you tell us about those leading companies and the different approaches they've adopted to the global local problem? Well, I, I won't identify any specific company, I'm sorry to say, um, but uh, for that you'll have to read the book. But um, uh, what I can say is that you can identify uh, a number of common themes across all of the companies, um, but also different approaches as to how to manage pay. And what's very interesting um, is the variation between companies in terms of their approach, and they can really be classified in, in two respects. Uh, those companies which centrally determine pay at the corporate headquarters and those which devolve responsibility for pay determination out to line managers. And what's experienced are two very different outcomes, despite the fact that actually they all embrace this notion of performance-based pay. They all embrace this notion of competition between employees. They all embrace this notion of a culture that's pervasive around encouraging commitment and loyalty to the managerialist agenda of the corporation, ultimately in interest of shareholder. And so you really have these two separate categories of company and uh, what's very interesting for me as a researcher is that actually contrary to what one might think one experiences the greatest degree of dysfunctionality in cases where actually pay is centrally determined so it really seems to be this the more centralized pay determination which is to say the more disconnected it is from the point of implementation from the point of the organization where actually there is a close interaction to customer um, is where it seemingly goes most wrong. And the tensions that result from that, uh, the dysfunctionalities, as I say, um, are profound to the degree that arguably companies aren't getting pay right, i.e. they're managing pay in such a way as to produce positive outcomes in the form of employee behaviours, commitment loyalty, they're actually getting it wrong. They're disengaging employees, uh, demotivating their employees, disenfranchising their employees, alienating their employees in many cases, all to the detriment of customer all to the detriment of the business overall. And is that what you refer to in the book, Can Pay Be Strategic? The limits of systems thinking, that's what we call it, isn't it? Indeed, absolutely, and, and that's a really excellent uh, point. Um, we forget that our organisations, whether they are commercial or not-for-profit, um, are inherently political. We are dealing with multiple stakeholders involved in this process of pay determination, all of whom bring to the exchange, the social exchange that is pay determination, different views on how and pay should be, oh, what in what way pay should be used and how it should be managed. Um, and what's I think very interesting is in cases where pay determination is centralised, largely have one view overriding those of the others, um, and uh, clearly that doesn't work very well. Um, what we see is a clear distinction between organisations pursuing a unitarist agenda and those uh, pursuing a pluralist agenda. Um, pluralism accepts that there are divergent views and interests and seeks to reconcile them um, in a collaborative uh, and collegial manner. Um, in unitarist organisations, it's actually much more prescriptive, much more uh, centralised, much more one-size-fits-all, a standardised approach with one stakeholder group, i.e. senior management typically, overriding the views of others. Um, and you know what? Whilst that may have intuitive appeal, that may fit with our systems thinking approach, it simply doesn't work, particularly when you're trying to manage scale and complexity of the sorts of organisations that we're talking about. All large, complex multinationals operating in a very fast-paced environment. It comes down to this. It's an act of leadership as opposed to an act of engineering. If you want to take employees with you on a journey towards the corporate goals, you have to involve all stakeholders responsibly, 
in a way that's sensitive as opposed to merely pressing a button at headquarters and expecting implementation effectively or indeed perfectly wherever it is you're, you're experiencing implementation. And so that will, of course, affect profitability marketing, the bottom line too, because it's about employee motivation. And we all know what's happened in terms of the trade union movement globally. Um, David Cameron now featuring on the big society, volunteers, that type of approach uh, to, to stimulating if you like, growth in, in the economy now through, through smaller businesses. But um, do we know or can we look into the crystal ball and say, well, your book, Can Pay Be Strategic, will tell companies how to manage their employees in the future, the motivations and the behaviours, the best way to go about it? Uh, well, I don't think I have the best way to go about it. In fact, mine's more of a plea than it is a prescription. Um, indeed I think there is too much prescription out there already Um, I want to move away from this notion of best practice towards the notion of best fit and whilst that's nothing new um, implementing best fit or rather living according to the best fit principle um, is incredibly difficult and we see an awful lot of organisations struggling with precisely that all I want to say is that pay and an attempt to manage pay corporately is no substitute for effective leadership at the line management level. Um, the reasons why uh, people leave organisations aren't typically uh, because of their pay. The reason why people work hard in organisations isn't typically because of their pay. It's because of the quality of their relationship with their immediate boss, their manager, the person who inspires them on a day-to-day basis to get up out of bed, come in work, fired up, and to want to perform, not for uh, any sense of uh, pecuniary self-interest, but because they identify uh, with the mission, with the values, um, and they they want to uh, exhibit uh, discretionary effort towards those ends. And, and do you think that your case is proven by, if you take the headlines for the past week, there have been about WikiLeaks, Wikipedia, you know, these big global organisations actually being run by gifted volunteers who, who come in and, and lend a hand. They're, they're not... Uh, influenced by pay at all, but by commitment, uh, like minds, similar goals. Do you think perhaps your book, Can Pay Be Strategic, is timely? Uh, I think it is timely in two respects. Uh, One, it points out to the limitations of applying systems thinking to the management of pay, and in particular this notion that pay is one part of a value chain that can be managed in a top-down fashion. That is to say, somebody makes a decision in Chicago which will elicit an effect in Cheltenham and, uh, you know, with little or no disconnection or, or, or consideration given to the political issues uh, that, that are organisations inherently uh, in, in, in between. Um, the second thing is, what is the role of pay in the 21st century in the context of post bureaucratization of big society, of localism, of increasing transparency? Um, something like WikiLeaks, for me, um, absolutely blows up the old order and creates a new order. It gives transparency and information to individuals who will make up their minds on their own and it becomes then an issue about collective wisdom. That's what we should be doing with our organisations. That is the path to innovation. We should be freeing people, not constraining them. And my concern is that actually old approaches to pay, um, which is to say this very much the systems-based strategic approach to pay is a straitjacket for talent, uh, not an enabler or an empowerer. And I think we need to uh, move to liberating uh, uh, our talent from the constraints from the yoke of performance-based um, compensation. And I think we best do that by actually removing it as an obstacle to collaboration and to coexistence between groups. We need to just simply 
become a bit old school. We need to get back to what we've always done well, which is just simply managing people well on a day-to-day basis, you know, creating meaning in people's work. That's a true path to motivation and contribution, not some once-a-year bonus. Well, it seems your book, Jonathan, has already come to pass. Congratulations on Campaign Be Strategic, a critical exploration of the practices of leading companies from the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. Um, I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks very much.